Good afternoon. I'm Jennifer Stevens, and welcome to Make the Connection. I'm here today with a friend and someone that I admire very much, Justin Foster with Root and River. Hi, Jennifer. Co-founder of Root and River. Yes. Hello. Hi. Before we get started, why don't I ask you, tell me a little bit about how you came to be. How did Root and River come together? Well, I've been a brand strategist in some form since 2003, and six years ago, I met Emily Sikorsi, my business partner, at a conference, and we just clicked. Our first visit was, I had a 101-degree temperature, and I was, I'm already unfiltered. I was extra unfiltered. <laughs> the next day at the conference, we visited again, and that was an argument, and uh, it, so that was fun. I mean, it really was for me, and uh <laughs> We just, uh, she brought me into her company where she was the head of marketing. And, okay. And I don't know. It's I, I like to say it's like when, uh, when you know, like Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, you know, it's like they're, they're it's, a, it's a dated metaphor, but their voices went together well. And so one day um, after doing a project, we were like, you know, she was in line to be like the CEO of the company and everything. And I was just doing my freelance, like lone wolf brand strategy stuff. And, was, and we just said, let's start a company. And. A lot of that was driven by the fact that branding is very broken. The concept, what branding is, is very broken. It's kind of like the event space that you've reinvented it. Uh, I'm as, trying. Yeah, but, you, <laughs> well, you, but you're doing it like there's proof that your ideas work now. Right. And, you know, similar to us, you know, we launched Root River five years ago, and now we have proof that we were right about branding, that branding does come from the inside. Interesting. So now you two have just published a book. Yes. So tell me about that. So it's a book of essays, uh, 44 essays. It's called Rooting Up. Um, and we wrote these essays together. So they're co-written, every okay. single one of them, okay. over the last four or five years. They've been compiled, edited, lined out into kind of three sections in the book. And it's kind of a treatise on what we call intrinsic branding, which is branding from the inside out. And so there's sections of it for CEOs and founders. There's sections of it for our solo entrepreneurs and sections of it for directors of marketing. So the three kind of groups that we work with, we kind of we kind of structure the book so that it's readable for them. Okay. These are short essays, usually three or four pages, lots of good information, lots of pithiness, and uh, I would expect nothing so, less. <laughs> yes. So yeah, available on Amazon. So. Good. Okay. Perfect. Well, now, so if someone's reading that book, and you could answer this question however you choose, either maybe an example from each of the buckets or sort of collectively, what are the two or three kind of core takeaways that you think you'd like to ha know someone walked away with and learned? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it's it's the same if I'm giving a talk, doing a podcast, uh, do, having a meet up with somebody. It's the same kind of three things. As one is your brand is inside of you. So someone that comes in and presents you your brand and says, this is your brand, I don't trust that person. Um, the second thing is, is that there is no reason to be anything other than you are. Um, there's no, I mean, yeah, we got to be a grownups and put clothes on and, you know, look good at times, but in our soul and our, who we are, there's no need for pretense. And the third thing is, is that marketing is easy when you know who you are. Most marketing doesn't work because you, you're in the midst of an identity crisis. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you stand for. And so there's this casting about. And so when you know who you are, when you root in who you truly are, marketing's pretty easy. It's just consistency of message, or it's, it's clarity of message delivered consistently over time. Right. Well, clarity of message delivered consistently over time is what I preach, right, on the public affairs yes, exactly. side. Yes, exactly. Um, and it makes sense on the branding side, too. So, you know, in the true sort of, I don't know, entrepreneurial way, 
I am the model of, you know, the cobbler's children have no shoes. <laughs> so here I am, you know, at the time that we worked together, I, I think that was maybe three years mm-hmm. ago. So I, JHL would have been um, 12, 13 years old, something like that. And, and you know, I came to you guys because I said, I really don't know if we know who we are. Mm-hmm. I think I think we did know who we were, but it's very hard to articulate. And we do a lot of different things. I work with my left and my right brain have some very creative things that we do and, and you know, some very sort of non-creative <laughs> things, yeah, right. very strategic things mm-hmm. um, that we do. So we worked together and went through, um, what did, what is it called? The root, a, a root session. A root yeah. session. Yeah. So can you share with mm-hmm. others about that process, which, sure. by the way, I found absolutely fascinating. And for me to devote an entire day to anything, <laughs> yeah. much less like more than half an hour is a miracle. Yeah. And so I just could not wrap my head around the idea that y'all possibly needed all that time, but Mm -hmm. we did, and it was great. So we talk about that. Sure. So the Root Session is something that Emily and I came up with um, even before we started Root and River. We didn't call it a Root Session. We just called it a branding session. And and it's it's kind of structured around um, three elements of a brand. And we like to do it in one day um, because if there's a – a tendency to make branding overly complex. It's only over com- overly complex if you're trying to be something that you're not. That's number one. Number two is is that a lot of people don't, are not super contemplative about themselves or their business. So, being immersed, kind of proverbially, you know, locked in a room to work on the brand in one day, it creates kind of a Pomodoro effect where you have to get it. We, we have these things we have to get done in a day, and that's why we say it's part boot camp, part therapy. Um, right. So what we extract through that process is your mission and not your mission statement. Nobody cares about your mission statement generally, but your mission, which is the reason you get up and do this every day, then your message, and then the methodology of which you're going to infuse that message and that mission to everything you do in your marketing. And so the root session is designed, it kind of covers the three main areas of our expertise, which is ontology, which is the study of meaning, like the words that we give things are very intentional. And then it's philosophy, which is helping you develop a leadership and slash brand philosophy that is shared. So you're not selling your product, you're selling your philosophy. Right. And third is a methodology, which is there's so many different ways to market and brand. Each brand has its own methods that will work for them. Some people need podcasts. Some people need to hire a sales team. Some people need to do, you know, uh, click funnels. It really depends on the client. And so we figure all of that out in one day. Sometimes so like a larger client, like we have a mutual client, that was yep. a two-day thing because there yep. was a lot of moving parts yeah, in that Yeah, they're business. very large. Yeah. But, uh, but generally speaking, if you're a solo entrepreneur or a small business, it's a day. And if you're a bigger organization, it's two days. So if a leader, which, yeah. So we got it done in a day. Yes. It took all day. Um, and we need to do it again, mm-hmm. like I was just saying before we started recording, um, because I think it did help. It helped me. I think it's hard for an entrepreneur, um, a small business owner like I am. It's very hard. Every, I look at my time as any time I'm not spent working for a client or recruiting mm-hmm. a client, right? I'm either retaining or recruiting a client. Anytime right. I'm not doing those two things, I sort of inherently find to be wasted. Yes. Um, and so just being intentional with my time, I tend to not give it to myself. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that I felt like we were in a place where if I didn't sort of push pause and give our team and, and the company some time, 
um, then I was really actually doing a disservice to mm-hmm. the company. And I think that for me anyway, I think that can be a hard place to get for, for business leaders. Mm-hmm. So if a business leader comes to you and maybe it may be much like I was mm-hmm. um, and is call it maybe skeptical of mm-hmm. the process and maybe thinks they may or may not need to do a deep dive in, into this branding mm-hmm. um, sort of exploration, if you will, um, What's the process that you sort of take them through as they're contemplating if they mm-hmm. should even sort of dive in? Yeah, thank you. Um, another good question. So uh, number one uh, that I, we want to really want to focus on is what is um, – we, we can't fix lack of competency. Like if you're not good at what you do from a technical standpoint, <laughs> right, marketing <we're> – <laughs> Yeah, marketing doesn't work. All, 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 all it does is it's like, a, you know, it's like an amplifier. It doesn't make a guitar better. It just makes it louder. So a lot of marketing, if you don't know who you are and you don't and you're not you're not at a level of competency in your expertise, then all marketing is going to do is amplify that you suck. It's right. it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna be helpful. <laughs> Number two for us is we're trying to most people, especially Gen Xers and Boomers, have this kind of divided life where there's kind of their personal self and their business self, and they, they really neglect one or both of those things sometimes and. So it's a discussion about the unification of that, that your mission, your human personal mission is part of that's expressed through your business. And we're integrating the kind of the spiritual component into the brand because you, you as a founder, you're, it's, it's your baby. It's your DNA. And certainly your team contributes to that. But, but every entrepreneur is their brand's chief spiritual officer. And so we examine that. And then the final thing is real practical. What do, you, what do you want out of this? What are you trying to do? Most often, people have a sense of uh, kind of two things. One is a lack of clarity. They don't really know. And there's this uncomfortableness. Every time somebody says, what do you do? It kind of comes across as either clunky or rehearsed. Or the second one is, is that they're an established brand and they've kind of lost their way. I mean, they're good at what they do, but they're a little ragged. They're a little... Um, a little dated and the, in their thinking and in their in their visuals and their language, and so that's those are the two most common things that people come to come to us to do. Okay, so let me pivot that then. Mm-hmm. Those are the two reasons people come to you. If you could wave a magic wand, what are the two reasons people should be coming to you? Are those any different? I don't know that they're different. That different. Um, I think that uh, people should come to us when they don't when they're not confident in speaking about their brand that's kind of the overarching thing if if you're not excited to talk about your brand you could be completely depleted you could have worked a long ass day and you're you know the lift driver asks you what you do and if you're not excited to talk about it there's there's something there that needs to be worked on um, the second is much more related to the laws of attraction and repulsion if you're not attracting your next generation of team members or clients there's something wrong. Right. That's an unhealthy, closed. You built yourself a closed society, which is a, another term for a cult. You know, where there's this <laughs> bad, this, yeah, bad, <laughs> bad, and it will die, and right. and usually painfully. Right. Um, so um, the the this uh, this other thing is is just to open things back up and and understand that your work matters in the world. It's not really about your business model. That's just how it, you know, that's how it produces revenue. But like the work that you do, and, and all th- all of your three as- aspects of what you do in your in your in JHL, those have an impact that has have have really deep, meaningful things beyond just what is in the scope of work that they signed. 
that's yeah. something deeper than that. And I hope so. It seems like it. Yeah. yeah. Having experienced some of your events as you know member or as participants, it's 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 this idea that um, that your soul, your spirit, this thing that's in you as an entrepreneur is expressed through your work. Your art is the is the business, and it needs to be treated like art. Yeah. Somebody asked me yesterday, are you living your purpose? Which is, you know, really sort of flowery, flowery language, mm-hmm. you know, for me and, uh-huh. and not a way I would normally think. And I thought it was an interesting question. I think, um, and my answer, by the way, was uh, I hope so, right? Mm-hmm. Because why in the world am I getting up and working so hard if this is not mm-hmm. my purpose? And I think what you just said about sort of the intangible or maybe undefined outcomes that happen through the things we do. Uh, whether it's an event or a public affairs effort, it doesn't matter. Um, those really are our purpose, you right. know. And um, we just had our 15th anniversary, and my husband and I were talking as we were as we were talking about the 15th anniversary of the company, and he was like, "Just think about like kids' lives saved through dollars raised mm-hmm. and these things." He's like, "The ripple effect of what you guys have done." Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go in and say, "I promise we'll be able mm-hmm. to provide this number of hearts," but the reality is, you've paid for 57 hearts for Heart Gift, for You're example, right. through the one event. And so, you know, I think I think living your purpose mm-hmm. is is important. Is that what you mean when you talk about that spiritual animal mm-hmm. and what's inside? Yeah, and. and this idea that your brand is how other people experience what you believe. So even when you think about your um, your promotions company and, and the materials and the and how fussy you are about the, you know the where you source no junk the, yeah no junk yeah um, because that's a statement from you to your client but maybe even more important to you it's from your client to their client that's going to receive the swag bag or whatever. Absolutely. And that's a, it seems like a small thing, but it's not. Um, we were joking, you know, a little bit before this about Keurig and how it's a shortcut and it's, I call it the porn of coffee. It's a cheap substitute. <laughs> right. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of cheap substitutes, a lot of karaoke singers, a lot of cover bands, a lot of cut and paste. Where, um, and all that is, is not showing the world, world who you truly are. And if I had a singular philosophy around brand is make the world react to you. And the one way to make the world react to, to you is live your purpose. Show them who you really are. If you show them who you really are, some people are going to like you. Some people aren't going to like you. And enemies are just evidence that you're doing something awesome. Right. And now, do, does it have to be like, you know, uh, you know, a punk rock band, that level? No, but there's a little bit of defiance and this is part of the reason I think we vibed with you and your team so much. This is a little defiance, a little F you in the way that you're doing business compared to other people out My there. My employees would tell you there's a lot of F you in the right, way. I- <laughs> right. And, I, and that's the brand, though, because right. it matters to you. It's, right. it's, it's more than just what's being delivered. It's the feeling that it generates. I think, I think that's true. So do you, I think, for me anyway, as I was thinking about approaching – the branding exercise with you and Emily and just kind of what to expect. I kept sort of in my own mind hesitating in that I thought branding or branding exercises were really more big marketing, big budgets. Mm-hmm. And I kept struggling with the idea that it's there's not a place for that mm-hmm. in the world of call it small business or entrepreneurship. Um, but it sounds like to me from what you were just describing with your book, um, maybe that thought process is, is not right. And maybe there is yeah. a role for branding no matter where you are on the size of business spectrum. Yeah. 
you already have a brand whether you like it or not. I mean, that's one thing. That's there. Um, and we can call it reputation or perception or, any, you know, we live in a very much in a fishbowl world. Everybody knows everybody. Or yeah. thinks they do. Yeah, but at least has some level of, you know, that that used to be what, six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. Now, I'm between the two of us, I'm sure somebody knows Kevin Bacon. I'm only one degree away. There you away. go. See, that's theory <laughs> proven right there. So, And we share a birthday. So, Oh, well, there you go. Um, so... Uh, so I think it's important, uh, Jennifer, to divide or discern the difference between branding and and marketing. And so branding is showing the world who you truly are. It's rooting deep into your the soul of your brand, understanding the language you, you want to use to move people's souls. It's being different, original, all that stuff. If you do that, it's kind of like being an acoustic singer. You're gonna if you if you can play acoustically and you can sit on a bar stool and make people pay attention to you. You've got a brand. Marketing is just making it louder. And yeah, there needs to be sometimes a spend. But our view is very strongly that spending money on marketing is a last resort. It's kind of like Mark Cuban talks about with investing. Getting an outside investor, which is funny because he's on Shark Tank, getting an outside investor is the last thing you do because you have to give up control. In this particular case, this is why you see great brands don't advertise. The, The best restaurants don't advertise. The best bands, the best... Uh, coffee shops, the best, the best doesn't, they don't advertise. At least they don't advertise to the level that mediocre brands advertise to. Right. And so part of what we do is figure out, well, what makes sense to you, to your business? Um, And where, if we're going to put dollars to something, where's the ROI? My background is in sales, which is very rare in the branding world. So my whole thing is, yeah, you got to go be you in the world, but there is an ROI related to that that is around at least some level of conversion um, or relationship building or something that produces some fruit from that investment. Yep. But passive brand awareness type stuff, I don't believe in any of that, where you're just like trying to spread your name around and hope people remember. It's too noisy. Nobody cares. Give me like two examples of what you mean by that for someone listening. So, you know, examples you hear is like this, the saturation of the marketplace around, let's say, like chilies. Um, they oversaturate the marketplace, not so much now, as they used to, or uh, Chevrolet or GM or Burger King. There's another one. You know, they're selling this fake burger and with these <laughs> stupid ads. Right. And it is, um, it is. They're trying to create brand awareness with that, and because it's the only thing they know how to do, as opposed to you know, P. Terry's has built this monstrous regional brand, or Whataburger has built a, a national brand now out of out of Texas. Um, or Torchies or Alamo Draft House. They don't advertise. They just go be awesome and hire great people. Right. And and it's just it's um I'm not saying all advertising is bad. I'm just saying advertising does not improve your brand. It just amplifies what you already are and sometimes that's just your average. That makes sense. I, I that makes total sense. So as you're thinking about branding and going into branding exercises um, with a client, has the increased importance of digital and social media and where and how to engage in those spaces, has that changed at all your advice as it relates to branding? Um, It hasn't changed the advice. It just changes the uh, dynamic of how people interact with you. So you have to be you have to be excellent in multiple mediums now. You have to be good live at a cocktail party or giving a speech or in a podcast. You have to be good in, in, in the doing the work, like showing up for your clients. 
you got to be good then in your copy that you have on your website and in, on your blogs and then your social media feed. Um, there's a there's a level of excellence to stand out that is required across the board. But this but this but the root of it related to your brand of who you are and what your me- mission, your message is, and how you're going to share that, that's going to stay the same regardless of the medium. It's just you have to be better at more things um, in that process. The other thing is digital, social are they're amplifiers, like I said, and they are um, they they reduce the amount of time that it takes people to get to know you, um, that you can really use the viral effect of social media and digital to as, as long as you're interesting and compelling uh, you can really use that medium to accelerate what used to take several years you can it can take a shorter amount of time great example dollar shave club they do a youtube ad gets millions of views you know their brand just blows up they suck away a bunch of market share from Gillette like no which nobody thought could be done and that was all because they were authentic their brand was authentic and then they went out and used these modern mediums to reach more people quickly. That's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. It's um, it's interesting to me. Um, you're exactly right. I think people either know you or or at least begin to form an opinion of you through that social media space. And it's a um, you know I sort of have this internal struggle a lot because. You know, we have the JHL social media, and what we're doing on that company social media is, you know, is is what it mm-hmm, is, right? Mm-hmm. Client focus yeah, and kind sure. of scope of work, you know, mm-hmm. the, the kinds of business we have or want to have. And then I have my own social media, my personal, and, you know, when I, of course, you know, this is dating me, but of course, when I started the business, you know, I didn't even have an iPhone. There was right. no Facebook. Right. Like, I mean, so, you know, or maybe it existed, but nobody used it. So, you know, fast forward to now, and now I have, you know, personal pages, JHL pages, mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And what I'm seeing at first is there was a really clear, in my mind anyway, and I think in it, for other businesses too, there was a clear delineation of, you know, this is what JHL's doing, mm-hmm. and that's Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And now what I see a lot of is, um, I mean, we had two very large projects over the last year, both of which came to us through Facebook. Yes. But, and not because what they had seen on JHL's page, yeah, but, but because what they had seen on yes, my page. Right. And so it starts to occur to me that mm-hmm. whether I like it or not, yep. that actually might be something I have to begin to embrace. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I like it or don't like it, except I'm probably going to piss somebody off because yep. I'm not overly quiet about my pro- opinions on yes. things yeah um so you know i might i might not be warm and fuzzy all right. the time yeah. like some of the youngsters these days need right. but that's okay <laughs> yeah. um so i worry about that a little mm-hmm. bit but i've seen it mm-hmm. i have seen the exact connection mm-hmm. of talking about the pride uh, coming out of an mjm event or whatever and then the phone rings and it's this, mm-hmm. you know, someone called and said, I remember you produced the papal event yeah. in 2016. We have an enormous community event. If you can handle the Pope, you can handle our right. event. Can you help? Right. You know. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me. It is. And it is, goes kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about the, you know, as Gen Xers, I think we're roughly around the same age. And then young. boomers is, yeah, we're still very, very young. young. We are. That's true. Look how good we <laughs> <Young>. look. <laughs> is, uh is that this idea that that you know the brand is the business right but if you look at great brands over time uh, whether they per- be personal brands or organizational business brands 
they, they have what we call a face of the brand. Now, ideally you want faces of the brand with the primary brand being the founder's face and voice. And it's really them. It's really you. And you can get outside help. We have some awesome partners for helping uh, leaders, founders manage their personal brand through social media and get kind of the mechanism of it. But there is an element of this that is embracing the reality, because that's what it is, that people buy from people. The brand is like the record label. That's all. The business is like the record label. And so you may know that, you know, we may know that that a certain, you know, record label that we like that produces a certain kind of music, um, we may know what they are, but we're buying the artist. And you're the artist. You are the face of the brand. Yeah. Well, sounds like it's time for another root session because it is something that we talk about, you know, internally. um, And it's something that I've struggled with off and on. I think, you know, many years ago before I had my business, just watching the way other consulting firms worked, or maybe it was kind of like the Burger King that you were referring Mm -hmm. to, you know, it was like the kind of people that are constantly putting themselves out there and putting themselves out there. And, you know, to me, just internally, I kept thinking, ugh. That feels gross to me. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be Burger King. Right. (laughs) Um, And so it just it just always was like, you know, I was so afraid to to be Burger King that I probably have erred on the side of like, yeah, hello, like maybe I secret. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But here's here's the thing, Jennifer. You're not Burger King. Under you know, like there's the 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 only way that that would be true isn't going to come from over promotion. It's going to come from a lack of sincerity. Right. Um, now, certainly you can do too much, but, you know, there's only a finite amount amount of time in the day. And social media shelf life is less than like a fruit fly. So, right. I mean, the first time we talked on the phone like, three years ago and we've run, you know, in, engaged ever since, you're a very original person. So that's awesome on social media because there's so much sameness. There's so much sort of right. shiny Instagram happy and all that stuff. Right. To show, to show the mess, show like, you know, like who you really are. Yeah. is that is differentiation. That's what people want. They want real. They That's, want real. So I'm smiling because this morning, you know, I have three kids. I have two still at home. And um, this morning it, I like jumped out of bed at like 545. You know, I had my daughter has a cheerleading thing and a volleyball thing going on. And I had forgotten to, you know, I sort of yeah. flew out of bed because I forgot to finish the laundry last sure, night for all right. of that. So I jump up, I'm doing all the laundry, then like, oh crap, it's trash day. So then my husband and I are running right. out in our <laughs> bathrobes to get right. the trash out. And then, you know, then like, oh, no one's taking the dog out in like right. two days probably. <laughs> right. So it's like, then I yeah. jump over and take the dogs and get mm-hmm. them on their walk and I get back and all this stuff. And I mean, so literally by like 7 a.m., I've done like four loads of laundry, <laughs> dealt with the garbage, walked the dogs, right. you know, helped my husband get ready for this biz- big business meeting he had today, all these things. And my daughter looked at me, my 14-year-old, and she goes, Mom, I'm exhausted watching you. Mm. And I just was like, yeah. And I get to now go. Yeah, work. Work <laughs> yeah. and run a business yeah, all day. Right. You know, and I just was like, if people could see like the reality of yes. the way this goes. Right. A, no one would ever be an entrepreneur. Yeah, you know? that's true. Or, or be yeah. maybe a mother. But, so. but it, I was to that point, though. This is why, you know, the ultimate competitive advantage in being an entrepreneur, even outside of branding, is to be a working mom. Um, because what you describe and the way you did that. You know, they're they're witnesses to that. So she may be exhausted, but she's seeing sort of awesomeness in action. You know, you know that type of thing. And um, you know, anything that captures the essence of who you are as a person, and that you can share with the world, 
um, that and it's reality based and it's it's honest and it's sincere. Um, that is uh, very powerful and uh, and and even even showing something like just that story, you know, of telling that story is that's branding um, because you're just showing the world. Like I said, the essence of branding is show the world who you truly are. Right. Well, you know, I'll just say this. I think it's important to teach children that they're the center of your world, but not the center of the world. And I talk to my kids about that a lot. And so I try to make the volleyball and the basketball and the baseball and all the things. Um, But sometimes I have to step away and help raise Mm -hmm. a lot of money for kids so we can buy hearts. Right. And I think it's okay for my children to understand that. And I think if a lot more people would adopt that philosophy, our world wouldn't quite be the shit show. It's kind of becoming today. Yes, totally. Totally agree with that. That's a whole other episode. That is a whole other episode. (laughs) Don't put me on that soapbox. So, you know, there's there's not exactly any participation medals allowed in my house. I'll just put it that way. Amen to that. Um, And, of course, because of that, my my kids are incredibly successful, mm-hmm. self-made people. So let's talk about, you know, we went through the Root and River session three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, how often should a company think or an organization think about reevaluating their brand and kind of where they are? When when do you tell clients like, hey, have you mm-hmm. sort of pushed pause? How does that mm-hmm. process work? Yeah. Um, so certainly it should be an annual review of some sort of like, it, and what we're looking for is drift. We're looking for drift because it's really easy to drift. It's really easy to get pulled in a new direction. It's some sort of inciting incident happens and it's really easy to get untethered, unconsciously untethered from, you know, your purpose and your mission and all these things. And then there's the um, review of like, well, is it working? Like, is it producing something? Um, as far as like our kind of a recalibration, though, that's usually about every two to three years. And the, and, the, and there's no major overhaul again. We just examine the mission. We reexamine the standards, which is one of the things that comes out of the root session. We reexamine how they're being shared. And then what we're looking for is somewhat of a gap analysis. It's like, well, not so much are the standards and mes- mission and message being lived up to internally, but where are their kinks in showing the world? Um, and kind of related to that is, you know, marketing tactics change every year. So what's what's the next thing to be aware of? What's a what's a, you know should should reviewing what's available as as platforms and deciding do we if there's other ways that we should be amplifying the brand? None of it's a substitute for being great live in a conversation and being consistent with your content. Everything else is on top of that, but it's good to assess it. Yeah, I we generally don't see, and we've done a number of what we call reroute sessions. We generally don't see much like uh, uh, internal drift in the sense of like inside of the owner or the founder. It's more of the external pressures have started to kind of make the edge of the brand squishy, and so it's m- almost like taking a, a whetstone and sharpening, resharpening the edge. Um, that's really what we're doing. We're just going back to the edge because the edge is what drives the brand. You need to, it needs to have a sharp edge to it. That's yeah. I that's fascinating to me. I totally get what you're saying. Um, so I'm curious within an organization. You talk about the heart of the brand being the founder. You know, the CEO. There's a face. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's multiple faces, but mm-hmm. there's a primary face. So. There is no loyalty among employees these days, right? Mm-hmm. Gone are the days where somebody works for a company for mm-hmm. 15 or 20 years. It's incredibly rare now. Mm-hmm. So how do you build the brand 
of an organization with multiple faces when those faces are going to rotate? Well, the brand extends beyond their tenure. Um, this happens a lot in the in football or, or sports, but football in particular, the coaching tree. Or you think of, of Jack Ingram and the songwriters that he's worked with, you know, that he, they've gone on, many of them have gone on to do their own things. Um, and so that brand, that legacy, if you hire the right people that have the same standards and you nurture them and, you know, you get they get value from you and you get value for them, you kind of do want them to grow and leave right. because they take the brand with them. They go to the next organization. Maybe maybe one of them goes to goes on to work in internal events for a big giant company and the next time they have their gala or their their you know their their uh, client convention they bring you in because they know you right and it's that's how that's how it works in sports as well as like you know the um you know you take an example of like Kyle Shanahan the coach of the 49ers if they win he'll be the, they'll be the first father son combo to ever win super bowls because right. his dad won as well with the with Denver but Kyle's been around. He's been with Atlanta, and I think he was with Washington and all that. And and I everywhere think he, he graduated went. from UT. I don't I, remember that. I yeah, feel I like to, maybe. Yeah, that's a post uh, re- recording we'll, Google. We'll Google yeah. that. <laughs> anyway, using that as an example is 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 that's what that's a that's a way that the brand spread spreads organically, um, and I think that's a powerful thing. Yeah. And I don't, you know, we're all free agents. Um, the difference between us and millennials is that we did we didn't have the we didn't have a lot of options as free agents. Either we were going to go work for a company, work our way up the ladder, no or no. the organization, or we were going to start our own thing. Younger people um, tend to have more options, and so I don't blame them. Um, I just want to get maximum value out of them, and them get maximum value out of me before they move on, because they're seedlings. They're carrying. They're like carrying the the seedling and the DNA of Root and River off into the ether. Right. Well, that makes sense. And that's certainly how we approach our team sort of internally. You know, I always, um, I try to have, I think, and you might remember this, but when we did our Root session, you know, you said to me, you have a Motley crew. Mm -hmm. And um, I do. And I like having a Motley crew. I like having a group of people who are really not very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone is very different. They bring an incredibly different skill set, mm-hmm. personality, temperament, background, mm-hmm. whatever. I like that because mm-hmm. then we're all able to learn from each other and I think deliver a, a better product, mm-hmm. whatever that delivery is, whatever yeah. that product is. So I like it a lot. So I think a lot about that mm-hmm. as it relates to how we build and cultivate our team. I just hadn't really thought about it in terms of than being mm-hmm. an extension of the brand. Well, you so think that about makes a lot of sense to me. What you're doing, Jennifer, that's different than a, a decent amount of business owners is that you've created a space or a home for people to be themselves. They, they get to be themselves. Now, do they need to be a professional, show up on time type of the version of themselves? Most of them are. <laughs> yes, sure they do. But you're not, you're not, it's not, you're not creating, it's not Stepford Wives. You're not, you know, it's not, uh, uh, it, you you created this space, this home for people to be what they are, and that's that's a kind of a, a sacred thing that a owner or an entrepreneur gets to do um, that we don't often think about. Um, where you know, there's a lot of pressure to be a certain way in the world, and if you can give people a home to just be who they really are, that's a beautiful thing, and they'll keep that with them in perpetuity. They'll keep that even if they only stuck around for a couple of years or a year. They'll carry that with them that in that space, 
they got to be themselves. And, you know, you're, you, to me, and just observing you, your leadership style is more about lead by example and remind people it's not so much like, you know, nurturing, you know, not that you're not nurturing, but you know what I'm saying? It's a different approach. They need to know that because right. that's that's probably that type, your leadership style is not something that they would have picked up someplace else. Um, and because you're- Well, I think that's true. Because you're, 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 you're very direct. You know what you want. Um, but in that space, you're not trying to make them like you. That you're, you want them to be themselves, but just competent at it according to the purpose and mission or the or the project or whatever you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. So let's just talk for one second um, about let's talk about brand of large organizations. Mm-hmm. Let's take a large nonprofit as an example. Mm-hmm. So a large nonprofit has, of course, um, a face or faces. Um, but I would think that it's very difficult to find that true self in an organization where you have multiple faces and multiple personalities. You've got board, you've got mm-hmm. founders, you've mm-hmm. got, you know, the recipients of the work that they're mm-hmm. doing, that sort of thing. So how does an organization like that find that authentic mm-hmm. voice and that authentic self? So so it takes a couple of things. One is, is it takes... Um, senior leaders that aren't assholes. That's the starting point. Because you have that kind of um, uh, toxic culture from the very top, no amount of branding can fix that. So let's assume that everyone's is, you know, but we all have our bad days, but that generally they're, you know, good people that treat people with respect. And the second thing is um, then to build standards. And so when we work with a, a larger organization, it's less about the mission of the organization. They all kind of know what their mission is. It's more about the personal mission that each person has. So they're encouraged to have their own personal mission. But the unifier for the brand, kind of the underpinning of the brand are standards. So one of our exercises we do is we go through and we can do this with a room of 20 people, 25 people, and we figure out what their what their core beliefs are, as we did with you. And then mm-hmm. we translate those to five or six standards that become like uh, they become mantras inside of the organization. And then that's what drives elite brands. So elite brands, you take the Navy SEALs or you take, you know, like the, 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 the you know, an elite sporting sports team or something. They don't run on rules. They don't run on just personality. They run on standards. Very rarely do businesses or nonprofits, any organization, stop the car and go, what are our standards around here? What do we expect from each other? And there's something super powerful and cathartic when you write them down, and they become like this framework of be for behavior. They become kind of an ethos inside of the organization. Um, and then from there is is a, a sense that um, there is almost always no, I would say always. I'll be definitive. There's always a chief spiritual officer. It's not always the CEO, but it's somebody that lives and breathes the brand on a daily basis, and they are very they very much care about the brand um, internally and externally. They, they don't, we're not trying to make everyone like them, but we do want to give that chief spiritual officer voice and platform and, and recognition because they're kind of the tone setter, the drummer. They're the drummer. They're setting the, the rhythm and the pace of the brand. Um, it's nice when it's the CEO, but it doesn't have to be. Our only requirement for a CEO is they can't be an asshole. So, amen to that. Well, that sounds like a perfect, that's a perfect place to end. There have been a lot of really 
strong, powerful tidbits from this discussion and things that I think maybe we could take off and do an entire other podcast on. So I hope you'll come back and agree to to do that um, while you're on your book tour. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Going nationwide. I wait. I want to mention it again. So it's Rooting Up Uh and it's on Amazon. Yes. And otherwise you should just do a root session with these guys anyway. Uh, Thank you, Jennifer. You guys are great. Emily, both of you are just amazing. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you. It was super fun. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Okay.